0: Welcome to Lace Up with Courtney and Alex. Guess what day it is? It's Mother's Day, and we wanted to take a moment to wish all of those incredible mamas out there a beautiful day today and every day. On this episode, we invited two very special guests to the show to chat about lacing up while pregnant, running postpartum, and the physical effects that running has on a woman's body. Since neither Alex or myself are pregnant or mamas yet, we decided to invite one of our very own mama brunchatarians, Amber Hansen, to join us for conversation with Dr. Natalia Orango. Dr. Arango is an ob at Presbyterian St. Luke's Medical Center in Denver, Colorado, and currently pregnant with her second child. There are just so many questions about fitness and pregnancy, and we tried to cover as many of those topics in this podcast. So have a listen and enjoy and sit back and laugh and have a good time. And you've been warned, it's all things female. So if that's not your jam, you don't have to listen to this episode. Otherwise, happy Mother's Day and enjoy. Amber, do you want to just introduce yourself really quick and talk about brunch and talk about bringing Opie to brunch really quick and how running is affecting your life?
1: Yeah, um, so I'm Amber Hanson. I have a daughter. Her name is Ophelia. We call her Opie. Um, She is two years old. And yeah, ever since she's been born and I've been coming to brunch running and I bought a running stroller and I've just been pushing her up and down the hills and... Trying to keep up, and yeah, I mean it's been great. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh.
0: <laughs> no, that's perfect. We we love having opiate brunch. She has such a great little personality. So we miss having you gals there I'm in person. Sad
1: not being able to come every 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 month, but understandably. Hopefully, hopefully.
0: Absolutely. Hopefully here in the near future. Dr. Natalia Arango, would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself and how running plays a role in your
2: life? Absolutely. Um, so like Courtney said, I'm Natalia Arango. I'm, um, OBGYN over with, um, consultants and OBGYN at Presbyterian St. Luke's. Um, I probably am not as avid of a runner as you guys, but I do, um, enjoy it as kind of my main form of exercise. Um, I will say I'm better at it when I'm not currently pregnant and under COVID um, (laughs) restrictions, but I, you know, I grew up playing sports my whole life Um, was never particularly amazing at anything, but was always active. Um, And just kind of turned to running post college um, during med school and residency. It's kind of a way to release um, some stress and keep as Um, fit as I could possibly be during those times of um, intense work, um, trying to have some sort of balance. Um, I am not as good at bringing my little one because he does not love to sit in the stroller um, for extended periods of time. So we're slowly working on that. I'm hoping that this next little girl decides to behave and be more um, willing to go on runs with me. But (laughs) here we are.
0: Awesome. Oh, well, great. Well, thank you ladies so much for joining us. Um, I think I'm going to let Alex start with, we're going to ask you guys some questions and just feel free to answer as candidly as you'd like. Um, It doesn't have to always come from a medical perspective, Natalia. It can come just from your own personal experiences. Um, But yeah, we just want to keep this fun and educational for all those mamas-to-be and postpartum mom runners. And yeah, let's do this. Did either of you guys
3: run during your first pregnancy?
1: Yeah, I ran... This is Amber. I ran um, probably for the first trimester and a little bit into the second trimester. Um, After that, I kind of got scared to run because I was like, oh, I'm jumping around and moving around. Like, Baby's going to think I'm crazy. Um, And I think that's a fear that a lot of women actually have um, when they do get pregnant. Uh, But... Yeah. I mean, I, I ran a little bit, I didn't run far and I didn't run every day, but yeah, I for sure ran at least three times a a week.
2: Not total. Not total. (laughs) Yeah, I know. right? I'll second what Amber said with my first pregnancy. Um, it was a little bit harder for me. I was a busy resident. So life in general, just revolved a lot around um, going to work for you know 13 hours a day and then coming home and sleeping because that exhaustion during first trimester is unlike anything I think you've ever experienced unless you've been pregnant. Um, but I ran probably up until I was 20 weeks pregnant with my first one. Um, randomly here and there. I I would try to get two to three runs in per week, but I think what Amber said is a big concern that a lot of people have, um, is how does exercise, especially running, and you kind of, you know, as that belly gets bigger, there's more there that kind of bounces around and moves around and gets uncomfortable, but also feels, um, or there's that concern, am I doing something to harm my baby? Um, And from a medical perspective, if you are used to exercising, we actually want you to keep doing that. Um, You'll notice that you'll have to make modifications as you get further along. But really, unless there's an absolute contraindication um, or medical condition that, you know, the doctor is telling you not to exercise, we tell people to exercise up until the time the baby's born.
0: So then is it true that with exercise and running, does that help your delivery go smoother? Does that have any indication or play on that? Or is that just more of like a myth? Like,
2: So there, there is some evidence um, that when we have you – know, a lot of it comes in – has to do with the fact that if you're physically fit or you're able to keep a certain level um, of activity throughout, not only are you helping um, – your ability to probably last longer when it comes to pushing. Um, As Amber and I know, first-time moms don't always have the easiest deliveries just because it's your first time going through it. And whether you have an epidural or not, you're doing something that your body isn't used to doing. So having that fitness level that gives you the ability to kind of have more stamina, is is a positive. I mean, you're definitely never going to have a negative with that. And then, but yes, suppose there is, there are some studies that show that um, exercising while pregnant can help increase um, our abilities to have a vaginal delivery and decrease our rates of C section.
0: Like you had both mentioned, you're not going to go the same level of that you were not being pregnant or postpartum, but do you have any, you know, tips, grace to tell yourself while you're running, um, like that it's okay. That reassurance of, you know, this isn't hurting my baby. I mean, just anything for new time moms, especially that are wanting to run, but are scared to run.
2: I I was just going to say, like Amber was saying, you know, I think You have to listen to your body, but at kind of the same time, we do encourage you to get out and do at least 30 minutes of exercise if you're used to doing it, you know, ideally three to four times a week, but up to seven days a week is okay. Um, Staying really well hydrated is going to be your biggest thing. Um, Dehydration um, can lead to contractions. Our uterus is a muscle and just like when our muscles fatigue, our uterus fatigues as well, especially if it's dehydrated. And so it's just staying really, really well hydrated, um, kind of avoiding that excess I guess, anaerobic phase. So what we like to tell people is that they should be able to carry, so the talk test, I don't know if you guys have ever um, heard somebody use that term, but kind of the measure of exertion that they are um, using while they're exercising, having the ability to carry on a conversation while exercising is likely meaning that they're not overexerting themselves and are in a good state to be able to um, continue the exercise for the amount of time. Um, but also without having any negative effects. Um, The other big thing, and you know, it's hard in Colorado, thankfully has great weather most of the year, um, but in a lot of warm places is preventing um, spending long periods of time doing physical activity outside so that you're not going to get overheated um, because that itself can cause more dehydration and then other issues along the way.
0: Perfect. Yeah. That's just, I mean, I think in general too, you know, obviously extra care, being pregnant, expecting, but just in general, the hydrate, hydrate, hydrate with runners. You should know that you should know better. <laughs> is it weird that the thought process I have is
3: like, if I was a baby in a belly and like, it'd be like, you know, you're bouncing around in Jello <laughs> as the, as your mom's running along. I don't know why that's the vision that I get when they you how you know, running with a baby in a belly. That's probably
1: what it looks like for sure. A little, a little nugget and, just rolling around. Might,
2: I mean, there's, they probably feel some, you know, they're yeah. feeling some movement as well, but they do have a nice cushion of water um, that they can float in there. And we don't feel a lot of, you know, some babies are super active. Some are not. So a lot of times we don't always feel how active they are, um, but may notice, you know, increased activity after we're done exercising because they have, they've gotten a good little jostle in there, but it's not doing anything that is going to hurt them.
0: Switching gears just a little bit about new mothers, generally speaking, when is it safe for them to return back to running? It's a two-part question. And is there anything weird only because we don't talk about it that is likely to happen when you do return back to running, which is actually super
2: normal? (laughs) Um, yeah. So, oh, go Amber. Go no, ahead.
1: You go. I'm not. I'm not a professional doctor. Yeah, but so I don't. But know. you're a running
2: mom. You know. What, you know the things that happen. Yeah. You're good.
1: For me, I just I went back to running. So I th- I got the clear at what is it usually like six weeks they give you the clear to start working out. I think I started like walking before that, and then I started like walk jogging once I got the clear, and I don't think. I started really running until, oh gosh, it was probably, it was like a few weeks before the boulder boulder because I decided that I was just going to go and run that. So, um, that's when I really started running and it was more of like a, if I felt like going out and jogging, great. Um, and if not, then I just didn't, um, I don't know, some weird things like my, my hips weren't, my hips just aren't the same. Um, and I, hopefully Natalia can say, speak to that a little bit, cause I don't really understand why. I mean, I know why, cause I had a baby, but like, it just feels different <laughs> to run. So just expect to, to feel your body's not going to feel the same as it did before you had your baby and before you got pregnant. So just be okay with that. And like, just know that that is so normal. And to not feel alone because every mom is feeling that way. I
0: don't know. That's great advice.
2: Yeah, I I think Amber has some really good points there. So yeah, so we usually give. So it's going to be dependent, obviously, on an individual person how the delivery goes, the extent of tear, if it was a vaginal delivery versus a C-section. Um, obviously, recovery is a little different in terms of. How delivery went and the type of delivery you had but usually most people are ready to go like Amberside by around week six after delivery um, we love people to start walking right away as long as you know they're feeling okay um, kind of slowly ramping up their endurance as they walk and get out and enjoy the fresh air but probably jogging running more around the six-week mark um, apart, so there's in terms of what Amber was saying with kind of those joints and those hips feeling strange. So when we get pregnant, progesterone, which is one of the hormones, the important hormones that plays a role, causes a lot of laxity in a lot of joints and ligaments, um, esophagus, which is why we get more, you know, our sphincters, which is why we get more reflux when we're pregnant. It, It does that to allow room for our belly to expand that uterus to have a growing um, being in there. And so it does take some time um, for kind of that all to improve um, and kind of get back to quote unquote normal. Um, and some people just their body has gone through enough of a change that you're never going to be back to your 100% original um, before you were pregnant. And like Amber said, just be, you know, understanding that and working around what your new normal is. Um, some other things which I, personally was lucky enough not to experience I don't know um if Amber wants to speak to it or not but sometimes we do notice an increase in what we call stress urinary incontinence um so it's not uncommon while you're pregnant or immediately after um to if you're running um to randomly just pee a little bit um and you know it's weird to experience it's weird to talk about but it's way more common than we like to admit that it is so something that we also like to talk about and kegel exercises any point in time in a woman's life not just pregnant or pre-pregnancy or post pregnancy um, but try to get those in there to try to decrease our um, incidence of stress urinary incontinence Um, because nobody likes to have that happen to them especially when you're out in the middle of a run
0: Nope, I can imagine, um, and that's funny that you mentioned the Kegels because that was one of my next questions on there. Um, having a strong pelvic floor is super essential for runners, especially. Um, so I was going to ask you if you had recommended those, but like you said, you recommend that not just for the you know postpartum woman or you know what stage you are in your life or who you are. It's just a good good practice method
2: exercise. Yes, very good. Tell people to do it whether at stoplights. Um, when they're washing dishes, really anytime, just got to get some in there throughout the day. During a podcast. You do them right yeah. Now. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, I just started when
3: you mentioned it, I started doing it, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Why I think not? There's,
2: there's something about hearing the word Kegel that immediately, if you know what it is kind of makes you just do, do a, one. Totally. Just a little
0: tense. <laughs> oh, that's great. I had a handful of some of our friends who have specific questions. Um, that they asked us that we're going to pass along to you gals. Um, Natalia, this one's for you, um, specifically. So one of our girlfriends, she said, I've been cleared by my doctor for all activities post C-section, but I'm still feeling some soreness in the area above the scar. I'm worried that running will aggravate it, um, is there, are there any tips for starting back running that won't aggravate it? Is it normal to feel aggravated? Should you wait until the soreness completely goes
2: away to start running? Um, that's a great question. And I think that there's, um, just because everything, you know, looks normal from our perspective as, as a doctor when we're examining you, doesn't mean that you're not still feeling some things and, and you can be like, what do you mean? I can go run, I can go do this. Um, what we're looking at is kind of the integrity and, and of, of the scar, you know, based on how far out you are. That said, when we do a C-section, especially we're not only, you know, we're cutting through nerves as well that we don't always see. And so some people do have lingering lasting effects, um, especially kind of from that nerve discomfort um, as everything's healing, Um, then that lasts a little bit longer. But it's unlikely that you're going to hurt anything, um, especially if you've been seen, you've been examined, um, and your provider feels that you're at a place where you can go ahead and proceed. And like Amber was saying before, I would start slowly and build up. So I wouldn't plan on going on a you know, three-plus mile run from day one. Um, I would start with the walking. I'd start with the walking-jogging combination and then slowly build yourself up to jogging and then back to running. Um, and you'll be able to gauge kind of what it, what you're feeling and what your body, how your body's responding. And if you hit a point where you're like, this is too much, then that's where you stop and you listen, you know, you say, okay, maybe I'll wait a couple of days and try give it another go.
1: I definitely advocate for yourself though, in that sense where if you're feeling pain, you should definitely mention it to your doctor and see what they say. And if you're not feeling like you should be running, like Natalia said, just start out running or walking, excuse me, and just take it slow. Run a half a block and walk the rest. Run again, you know, walk the rest. Um, just listen to your body. No, yeah, that's, I, that's definitely great
2: advice. I think that's always what even as a doctor, my go-to is listen to your body. You know your body best and um you know, you you don't want to ignore what it's telling you.
0: So another one that's kind of a funny one. Well, I think it's funny, but that's just me. <laughs>
2: Boobs. So
0: one of our girlfriends writes, My boobs are huge right now and always feel engorged with milk. Are there any tips to prevent boob pain while running? And secondary, my nipples are super sore from pumping. Any tips to prevent chafing?
2: So, from the breast perspective, um, I think the biggest thing, and I don't know if Amber, you breastfed or not or pumped, but for me, before I started kind of working out again, was Emptying before going to work out, so breastfeeding or pumping um, and emptying as best as possible to give yourself that time period for when you are going to exercise that you're not feeling that um, heaviness and that engorgement um, that comes along with knowing that you need to empty those breasts. That's probably the biggest thing to help get some release or relief. Um, also, getting really good sports bras um, postpartum is especially if you're going to start working out, is super important. I don't have a specific one that I like, um, but just finding something that's going to be nice and supportive, sometimes that means wearing two. Um, and in terms of chafing from the nipples, I usually just tell people, you know, ointment. Um, so and not antibiotic ointment, but um, just, oh my gosh, I can't think of the name, but um, just ointment to help create a barrier between the bra and, and the nipple.
1: Yeah. I, I, um, I have little tiny boobies and so I really didn't engorge that much. Like they just didn't get very much bigger, <laughs> but yes, I did breastfeed and, um, emptying before working out or especially running cause they bounce around. Right. So, um, emptying was really important and helpful to ease the pain um now that you said that ointment thing I can't think of the word but just definitely just putting that on your nipples and then I had like pads to put in between that were like soft um my bra and my boob and that seemed to help um the chafing um but other than that yeah
2: you can uh, yeah. I've took Great point, Amber. I um, forgot about that. I actually use those too. So you can buy, so you can buy disposable little pads that you can put in between. And a lot of them is for leakage prevention, mm-hmm. but they actually do work great for when you're um, exercising as well. Um, and you can buy some that are cloth ones that are rewashable um, and or reusable because you can wash them um, and they're really soft. I don't know what kind of cloth material they are, but, oh, but they are um, really well. <laughs>
1: whatever they
3: are,
2: they're a nipple saver. (laughs) You'll take anything when you're at that point. Seriously, I get it. (laughs)
0: Anything to relieve the pain. I, we're gonna be experts after this, Alex. Like, I'm gonna be ready to have a baby, and I'm gonna be like, "All right, I know what to do." I'm like, I have so many questions. I we'll get
3: to the like, what did you before you're expecting? But like, I'm like, this is so helpful.
0: (laughs) Amber, what? age what how old was opie when you started running with her in a a jogger stroller
1: oh goodness um i think i started running with her a little over the age of one she turns one in december so i think i waited until spring to get a stroller and um start running with her and at first i didn't run with her very far because it's hard like Not being able to move your arms and run and then pushing, you know, 50 pounds extra is a a feat. But I think she was a little bit over one. Yeah.
0: And she still loves it. She's so good when she's at brunch. It's like her thing. She's like, mom, push me. Let's go. I think she likes
1: the wind in her face and she thinks it's fun to go fast. So I'm pretty lucky that she likes to just sit and she'll eat her snacks and she'll drink her juice and... She's very content. I love it. Love her. She's so cute.
0: Um, for both of you ladies, our, some of our gals asked, what were your favorite, if you did have them, um, pregnancy athleisure brands, or were you just wearing like your normal Nike oversized stuff? Was there anything specific that you wore that was super comfortable when you did workout that you would recommend?
1: Um, I wore, it's like a workout belly band but it's not like a hold it in place I don't know how to describe it it's like this beautiful piece of elastic with um that's a kind of like compression it's by Bayo Bay Maternity I can send you that link Courtney or Alex but um yeah they have really great um postpartum and um pregnancy athleisure wear and it's it's the best that I've found. Otherwise, I just warm like my Fabletics yoga pants, low rise ones <laughs> for that under the bed.
2: Yeah. So I didn't, I didn't really show with my first one for a long time um, and was mostly in scrubs and otherwise. So I was just wearing my regular, whatever, random workout clothes um, with my first pregnancy. This time around has been a completely different story. Um, and I have actually, I really like gaps workout clothes. Mm. Um, and so I've actually just bought a couple of their, um, maternity workout stuff and has been, I mean, usually just pants, shirts, I just wear whatever, um, I already have, but it's been really easy, not, you know, just normal stuff, but I, agree with what Amber says. Belly bands, not the super supportive ones because those are going to be a little restrictive while you're working out, but um there are intermediate type of belly bands that are really great to help feel to help that ex- you know feel that extra support um when you're doing a workout while you're pregnant.
0: Alex, we should do brunch belly bands. I just like
1: Oh my gosh, that. that's such a good mm-hmm. idea.
3: And then guess what everyone's getting this time around for baby numbers, too, because the first time
0: you don't show really
3: I'm not saying because I don't know if everyone's come out and like said it, but like people got like the onesies this time they can all get the belly bit. Yeah. And so our friends so. do this more.
1: Oh, my gosh. that's
3: We're like, so. look what we got you and your baby.
1: I think that's a great idea. I'm all for that. I'm hopping on board.
0: All right. You're
3: endorsing
1: us. So we'll be
0: like, see, guys, it's not just Alex and I who know nothing about pregnancy or anything, but we have friends who say it would be cool. So here you go.
2: They'll appreciate Uh, it more than they'll know until they use it. And then they're going to think it's the greatest thing.
1: That's so true. I had a friend who kind of made fun of me for wearing mine. And then I got her one when she got pregnant. She was like, oh, my gosh, I didn't know I needed this in my life. You are a godsend. And I was like, I know. Let me tell
0: you. One of our girlfriends asked about if your feet are swelling during pregnancy, which I'm assuming a lot of times does happen. or I don't know, but seems like something that happens quite a bit that I read about. Um, do you recommend increasing your shoe size or using compression socks?
2: Like, what do you do for swelling feet? Um, it kind of is really just a personal preference. You probably need to real, you know, decide if you can still wear your shoes, your running shoes comfortably versus, you know, going to see if going up a size makes sense. Compression socks are great in general, um, to help, but it's not always easy to run in compression socks. I feel like a lot of times you get extra heated in them, or at least I do. Um, so I, um, again, just listening to kind of what your body is doing and, and giving e- like trying out, you know, if you feel like you're like, Oh, I can't really tighten these shoes laces enough to feel like i'm supporting my foot and preventing my ankle from rolling then maybe going up a size is going to be the appropriate thing um versus trying some lighter weight compression sock that may not be as uncomfortable to run in i don't i don't have like a specific thing i tell you know people regarding that
0: don't you love like it's like but you're a doctor you have all the answers give me all the answers
2: If I had all the answers, I don't know that I would be a doctor.
3: (laughs) (laughs) So is that like, if you're running more, if you're running and pregnant, because obviously like you're hungry anyway, because you're growing another being. What about like food wise? Do you, you know, how much additional calories should you be consuming if you are working out still? Or is it just when you're hungry, eat?
2: Um so no specific set of calories um that I tell people that need to be consumed when you are um a person you know if you're still persistently working out my biggest thing is that we like to you know listen to our moms and grandmas who tell us that we're eating for two that's not a real thing regardless of whether you're working out or not working out what you do want to make sure though is that you are getting enough um caloric intake and protein um to keep you going through a workout. So, you know, if you require, if you haven't had, you know, a good meal that day or whatever, maybe sitting down, getting a big, um, not a big snack, but a snack in before you, that's protein packed, um, before you do a workout of some sort, um, just to minimize the possibility of having any sort of, so hypoglycemic, or that your sugar dropping while you're working out, especially if you plan on doing a longer workout. Um, A lot of times... If you're doing workouts that are kind of that moderate intensity, where you should be able to carry on a conversation, um, you should be okay with what you're consuming throughout the day. It's probably people who are considered, you know, more like elite super athletes who need to really be conscientious of their caloric intake and and increase it um, throughout the day if they're continuing to do those workouts while they're pregnant, which is kind of a whole nother level of, you know monitoring and and what needs to what conversations need to be had with your doctor if you're training at that level?
0: Sure. and on the other foot, postpartum calories, I mean, with if you're breastfeeding is you know I've heard and read that when you're breastfeeding, I mean, you're burning a ton of calories anyway because you're feeding a little tiny person. Um, and if you are working out, I mean, do you think adding that or is it just kind of the same thing as well? Like it's just you're not, burning to the same level of an an elite athlete
2: um, I'd probably say that you are you know if you are back to your normal working out by the time you know when postpartum rolls around you do have to be conscientious of the calories you need to can you know maintain your milk supply um, and to feed a little one and, on top of um, on working out so I, again, no specific number that I have that I'm like, oh, you have to make sure you're consuming extra amounts. But I think it's always smart to kind of just have that multiple small meals a day um, in the back of your mind um, instead of just three big meals um, during the day. When you're breastfeeding, though, I feel like it's, you're just, I don't know, I just felt like I was eating all the time. I I was eating more when I was breastfeeding than when I was pregnant. So I don't know if Amber has any (laughs) specific advice for that.
1: I was definitely eating more breastfeeding than I was when I was pregnant. But at the same time, I was also exercising more when I was breastfeeding than when I was pregnant near the end of my pregnancy. I just couldn't move anymore. (laughs) Um, But I think for me, not, I wasn't taking in enough good calories to turn that into milk while functioning and still working out. And so like my, and I don't know this for a fact or if this is even a thing, Natalia, but um, but I think because I didn't take in enough calories, I wasn't producing enough milk. So I ended up stop I, I ended up not breastfeeding Opie after she was two months because I just couldn't keep up. I was maybe getting an ounce out of each breast Every 30 minutes that I pumped. So it was like, it wasn't worth the time that I was putting in to, to get just an ounce of milk. Um, but I do think that that, you know, played back into my calorie intake. Um, so something that I'm conscious about for my next pregnancy, but
2: Yes, I think you're, I, th- I mean, so that is true. You can consume too few calories. Um, obviously, there's also an upper limit of what you, but so consuming, it's kind of between 1,500, 1,800, anything less than 1,500, 18 calories kind of per day um, while you're breastfeeding, and especially if you're working out, um, can put your milk, your milk supply at risk. So it's more while we're kind of breastfeeding, um, 1800 to 2200 calories per day. Um, And then if you're working out intensely on top of that or going back into a more persistent workout routine, then probably a little bit more than that would be okay. But you want to be careful of having too few calories because that is going to affect your milk supply. Your body is not going to, you know, it's going to use those calories for quote unquote more vital things like your overall well-being um, right. instead of that milk supply production.
0: Awesome. Well, Alex, I know you had a few other questions that weren't necessarily yeah. on the realm of pregnancy, but more on the realm of just female running, what it does to your body, if you wanted to ask some of those questions, and then we can wrap
3: this up shortly. Yeah, because I think like, especially when, say, you're looking to get pregnant. I am not looking to get pregnant right now. Just hang that off. <laughs> These are not my questions. Does Mr. X know that? Mr. X does know that. Um, we're also and Natalia- talking other <laughs> about other two other people right now. So, yeah.
0: And Natalia and Amber, if you guys don't know, um, we always talk about Mr. X, which is Alex's man friend who she's dating. So we always include it in some capacity of our podcast. I'm glad we
1: threw it so, in right yeah. there.
0: <laughs> yeah. We are not having a baby together. <laughs>
3: No, never.
1: Say yeah, never. Say
3: for right now, we are not having a baby together. I think some other things need to happen for that to even be considered an option.
2: Stay tuned for our next episode. Unless, <laughs> unless you're, unless you're abstinent, there's always a small chance. As I tell my patients, abstinence is no fun. So birth control is the next best thing. <laughs> you heard it from the doctor. Yeah. I, I'm like we can go. I'm like we can go down a whole other
3: rabbit hole with some other stuff going on. But I'm like I don't know how much time you guys.
0: I mean, they're moms. They are pretty dang busy. So, um,
3: but if say like obviously in the sport of running, a lot of women can tend to lose their period, um, especially when you're marathon training or endurance racing or any of that stuff. So what if you know, you're looking to get pregnant, but you haven't had that consistent period or you've, you know, lost your period. What are some of the steps that you should be taking if you know that you want to get pregnant in the future?
2: So the biggest thing we, you know, there's lots of reasons why people can have what we call secondary amenorrhea or kind of stopping getting your period at a certain period of time, um, for a certain period of time. And the biggest thing is you're gonna to want to, you know, if it's been three months without a period, that's when we as doctors would jump in and start doing um, some sort of workup when we would want to see you, especially if um, pregnancy is something that is desired in the near future um, or in the future in general, if, you know, just because it's hard, um, you know, you could use ovulation predictor kits but if you're not having a consistent cycle, it's hard to know when to use those. Um, and you're spending you know, money using those to be able to use them on a daily basis to see if you're still ovulating. Um, and so my biggest thing would, would be to say, if you are going three months or longer without a period, and you previously consistently had a period, um, then you definitely need some sort of evaluation by preferably a gynecologist. Um, but a lot of primary care doctors, so family internal medicine doctors can also do it as well, um, to kind of make sure that everything else is in line and that we haven't altered anything else and that we're not missing anything. Um, but so it's, it's hard, you know, and I haven't worked with a lot of elite athletes or these long distance super ultra marathon runners. Um, so I have actually never had a patient who, has, has faced that. But now that I'm back in Colorado, I'm sure I will. Um, but it's just getting, getting to the doctor at an appropriate time for evaluation and, and making sure that there's nothing else going on and that you can start that conversation, um, with a provider.
3: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm like, that's, that makes so much sense. Um, yeah, I'm like, yeah, there's so much, because obviously like, to look at hormone levels and all that and everything. Um, anything else that if you're planning or looking to get pregnant in the future, um, that women need to know about running or about fitness as they're kind of in that family planning state. Because um, I know I've definitely seen friends, you know, who became so fearful of working out, especially after you know suffering you know multiple miscarriages. Um, that they thought, like, by moving their body, they were running the risk of losing a pregnancy.
2: Um, Yeah, it kind of, in kind of like a pre-pregnancy state, you know, we, we, we know that physical inactivity and excessive weight gain is not conducive to necessarily having a healthy pregnancy. So we, want people to kind of pre-pregnancy optimize themselves to be ready, you know, to carry a pregnancy and the stress that that can cause on your body because it's, you know, going through a lot of changes. Um, I can, there's never really a time anymore where we say that bed rest is the recipe of treatment. Um, we rarely use bed rest anymore. Um, because there really hasn't been any proven benefit to treating, you know, or decreasing your risk of miscarriage or preterm labor with bed rest. Now, there are certain circumstances where there's going to be relative and absolute contraindications to pregnancy um, or to exercising, especially excessively during pregnancy. Um, but in terms of miscarriages, there's no actually there's no actual data per se that tells us that. If you if you're used to working out and you continue to do your working out, um, that you're going to increase that risk of miscarriage. I think the one caveat that some studies have shown is if you're kind of at that elite level of um, of training, um, you may want to consider decreasing um some of the intensity of the workout and some of a lot of that comes with kind of cross training and strength training where you're doing a lot of heavy lifting um i guess it's hard to like quote specific numbers um i've heard some doctors say you should never work out to your heart rate getting above 140 150 well that's really difficult to do because when you're pregnant you have physiologic changes that occur normally with a pregnancy, and your heart rate can get to 140, 150 pretty easily, especially in that second and third trimester. Um, So, again, that walk test is what I tell people. Um, So you're kind of working to 60, 80% of your kind of capacity. Um, It's people who are consistently going over that 90% of their capacity um, who probably need to visit their doctors and have that conversation either pre-pregnancy or, early pregnancy to, you know, figure out if this is going to affect um, anything. I don't know if that makes any sense, but
3: it does. Um, so this might be a silly question because normally how or how does your heart rate increase automatically when you are pregnant? So you you have your regular resting heart rate, not pregnant. Are you like just you have a higher resting heart
2: rate? When you get pregnant, usually yes. Okay, like, yeah. So exactly. when you have just kind of basic hemodynamic changes um, that occur in pregnancy, um, you're you, we we tend to see not always, but it's not uncommon to see a higher resting um, heart rate.
3: I'm like, I don't have any other questions because otherwise this is going to turn into a consult of maybe, like, well, this is <laughs> what's going on with me.
0: Um, <laughs> Bill Alex's insurance. Um, I don't have insurance, insurance anymore. Up. So. <laughs> oh, goodness. No. <laughs> Um, no, this is this is great. Really informative. Um, love that you guys took the time to just chat with us and answer questions and informed us too. Um, you know, because every we all know, right? There's Dr. Google out there. There's all these different things that people read, and I think it's just a a comfort knowing and hearing from women who have had children and have gone through this themselves, and getting that information is way more beneficial than just reading on Google. Like, is it normal to da 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 da? Um, so thank you ladies so much and happy early mother's day. Mother's day is next Sunday, right? Is that? Yeah, it? I
3: think yeah, so.
1: Wow. A...
0: Yeah.
3: Well, maybe I think our goal is to get this out around mother's day. So, so happy mother's day. Happy mother's day. <laughs> thank um, you, Amber, do you have any other questions?
1: I mean, or any questions? No, no, I don't think so. Just thank you for inviting me to be on here. And hopefully, hopefully I made some sense.
0: <laughs> That's how I always feel after this podcast. Yeah. And then when like, we listen to it, I'm like, oh my gosh, is A, that how I right. sound. And B, are the words that I'm saying, are they actually coherent right. or is it just jumble? Well, no, like, you sound like,
1: oh, I know. I'm, I know what I'm going to talk about and how I'm going to answer, blah, blah, blah. And then I get on here and I'm like, word vomit. <laughs> I, I was like, I didn't even think
3: about that before. <laughs> but good. I mean, half of this stuff I've never even thought about in general. I mean, the boob thing, you know, I remember having to wear two boobs, which then my fear is when I am <laughs> pregnant, or two boobs, oh my God, two bras, um, but like my fear is like when I get pregnant, oh my God, how big are my boobs going to be? Like, am I going to need to like <laughs> strap them down?
1: Yeah. You might. I mean,
0: and see, maybe I'll actually get boobs when I get pregnant because I have no boobs. Like I have negative boobs. So.
1: Me too, Courtney. Me too. (laughs) We're all in this together.
2: Um, Can I ask a question though, random about the brunch running? How does, where do you guys meet? When do you guys meet? How does it happen?
0: Well, when we're not in a pandemic, yeah. um, we so we have multiple events. Um, we have free events, we have paid events, but we do monthly events at Denver Milk Market. It's a free 5K or 10K run, walk, skip or stroll is what we call it. Um, and then you order your brunch afterwards and we get different partners and everyone gets either a coffee or a cocktail complimentary. Um, it's just a really fun community Of runners, walkers that come out with us. Um, We have anywhere from 100 to 200 people when we do have those. Um, And then we do have a big timed 5K, 10K race every October in Denver. Um, And that's all you can eat, all you can drink when you cross the finish line, live music, um, chalk for the kids. It's just a really fun kind of celebration after training for your run. Um, So, yeah, we're mainly in Colorado. We've had events. In Arizona, we've had events in New York and San Diego. Um, what we're trying to do right now, especially with um, the pandemic, is do a lot of virtual experiences um, and just really providing that sense of community for everyone across the board, even though we can't really be together. Like, how can we still connect? Um, so Alex and I have worked on some training plans, but we're also working on some challenges and some partners, which we will be announcing that stuff pretty pretty soon. We have some really exciting things coming Um Coming up for that, but yeah. So in Denver, it's Denver Milk Market, and we welcome, you know, every anybody and everybody, um, kids and strollers, kids that want to run, dogs, husbands. <laughs>
3: yeah, And especially as kids get older, we have a lot of parents that like the kids come out on their bikes or scooters, and the nice thing is the group really, wa- keeps an eye on everyone because <laughs> we know sometimes some kids like just like to go and want to have fun, and they know they're in a group and. They'll hang out and chit-chat with whoever's talking to them as we all run and try to keep up on their bikes. Very cool. Or with their bikes. Yeah, it's yeah. really
1: fun. Natalia, if you can make it to one of them, you definitely should when this whole crazy pandemic thing gets over. Because they're a yeah, blast. that's what
2: I'm thinking. Yeah, I don't, my belly this time around doesn't really like me doing a whole lot of things, but... Um, come August when she's here and I'm back into the full swing of things. This sounds like a great event and, or, you know, just part thing to be a part of on a monthly basis. So absolutely. We have a lot
0: of, a lot of moms that will bring the kids or a lot of moms that are like, this is me time. Like I meet with my running girlfriends and we just go and I have a couple hours to myself where we run and have a mimosa and brunch. And then I go back to the husband and the kids, or you, you know, bring the kiddo to brunch because it's a fun activity for the kids to see and be a part of. So, um, and you know, if you decide you want to bring baby to brunch, I mean, who doesn't love a baby at brunch? It's like a puppy at brunch.
2: Right? Like, oh my gosh.
3: It's also our reason, our excuse to make more friends as adults. Cause we're like, we just want to make more friends and know more people that like to do the things we like to do.
2: Yeah. let's. I tell my husband all the time, I'm glad we moved back to Denver so I can just hang out with the people I already know because I'm too lazy to (laughs) go find new friends. It's hard. It is hard. I figure the next time I'll make new friends will be when my kid's in school and I'm like forced to socialize.
1: Yeah. Right. Your kids will make
2: friends for you. It's like,
0: guess what? You could be friends with this person because you're a kid and both kids are friends.
2: <laughs> um, the only, only only other thing that I don't know if you guys want to incorporate it some way or shape or form or conversation for some other time, but um, obviously exercising at altitudes, we're you know lucky enough to be doing it. So we shouldn't really – we don't really worry about um, going above 6,000 feet and exercising, but a lot of that changes for women who are low landers coming up here visiting and exercising at altitude when they're pregnant. So just, just something to think about. Um,
3: I have a question about that that, um, because like say you live down here and you go up to altitude um, like up to like the mountains and you're hitting like seven eight thousand feet up there in some of the mountain towns like is that something to be aware of when you're pregnant and you live down here and making that kind of altitude shift.
2: It's usually not – us going from here to the mountains usually not substantial enough to to cause any um, significant issues. Um, You may notice you're breathing heavier and having a little bit of a harder time, but it's more people coming from very low altitudes, um, kind of sea level, that come to us um, and are starting to do things above that 6,000-foot mark that really need to probably take a couple of days to – kind of expose themselves to that moderate to high altitude um, and the lack of oxygen or the decreased oxygen, I should say, that we have um, at those altitudes um, when they come and visit. And it's not that uh, it's not necessarily that we're going to have these adverse effects on the developing fetus itself, but it's more the ability to to kind of perform to, the, to our capacity in whatever, you know, exercise we may be doing. Um, and then the bigger thing too is gonna be altitude sickness. Um, we might get hit with it more readily if we're coming from those lower altitudes, especially when we're pregnant because we're already dealing with all these physiologic natural changes that are occurring in our body.
0: All right, let's just throw in like, you know, 5,280
2: feet. <laughs> yes, this, right? <laughs> yeah. So
3: this might be a weird question. Like, so when babies that are born at altitude versus babies that are born at sea level, like, is there, are babies that are born at altitude adjusted to the altitude, right? Because mom's already adjusted to it.
2: Um, I, I, yeah, like, I don't truly, I mean, this is where are my, um, my yeah. caveat of I'm an OBGYN and I love to deliver babies. And then I love that I can hand them off because babies themselves terrify me. Um, <laughs> but in a good way, in a good way. Um, yeah. I do know that we have, it's not uncommon for babies born at altitude to need, um, oxygen at, um, mm-hmm. about, so about 10% of babies my if I'm quoting you correctly or quoting people that i have told me before, do need some extra oxygen supplement, um, support when they're first born. Whereas we don't tend to see that as much in babies born at lower levels, um, lower uh, levels of altitude. So I don't know truly in terms of, um, adaptation wise, what physiologic, uh, you know, how they're, how they're adapted or not, but I'm, I don't know. Uh, Now I'm
3: probably going to go down that rabbit hole after this conversation to do some research. (laughs) Alex is like a little kid. But why? I am. Well, that, then, you want to know what then? Then I started doing the math of all the babies that I know that were just born. And out of the five, one was on oxygen. But she was also a preemie.
2: Yeah, so preemie is definitely, but um, it's not uncommon to see full term babies who have otherwise nothing else going on need to spend a couple of days um, on oxygen or go home on oxygen.
1: Um, Natalia, can I ask you? It's totally not related to baby's breathing, but, um, it has to do, it has to do with, um, moms who pee their pants after baby. So like, that's not supposed to happen, right? Like that's not a good sign. Like when you're running and I don't mean like a month after baby or two months after baby. I mean like a year, maybe like six months, a year and, and on. You shouldn't be peeing your pants anymore when you're running, when you're laughing or anything like that, should you?
2: Oh, but you do. That's completely normal. So that's why I was saying stress urinary incontinence is something that I think the majority of women don't talk about. But if you were to pull your friends that have had babies or you know people that you know that have had children, especially vaginal deliveries, mm-hmm. it is not uncommon to have... Um, to have that be a thing and the more pregnancies we have and the more weight we're putting on them the more vaginal deliveries we have mm-hmm. we increase our chances of, of having stress urinary incontinence but it's about two and two of the, two and three women usually will complain of it in their lifetime um eventually
1: and, and is there a way like because you can strengthen those muscles like when is the point where you you get help for that
2: when it is bothering you because it's affecting your life so much okay. so the, I have ladies who come in and tell me oh yeah I pee my pants all the time and I don't care they're literally there are people who and I mean obviously every there's an extent of of the definition of peeing your pants like some of it's just like oh you know like I sneezed and like a little drop came out versus right. I coughed and I emptied my entire bladder on myself I mean right. like there's just complete opposite ends of the spectrum. And there are people who will be completely bothered by the fact that they sneeze and they have a drop of pee and people who completely empty their bladders and just don't care because that's just how we are. Um, so it's really a matter of when you're, I say, I like to tell people like when they're done having kids, because the last thing you want to do is have some sort of corrective procedure or something and then have a ch- another child or another two mm-hmm. and be back at square one. Um, when you're, you know that you're done having kids and if it's really, you know, at a point where it's affecting you and bothering you, then going in and being evaluated is completely appropriate. Um, and having that discussion is what, what options exist because there, a lot of stress urinary incontinence options are what we consider surgical type management. Approaches so it's not just a medicine fix,
1: gotcha.
2: Hmm. Yeah, so it's it's your, I mean, it's not uncommon for it to happen right. It, it happens with more propensity towards like your immediate postpartum period, but some people just it never goes away.
1: Okay, interesting. Yeah, Alex Courtney, got anything to say
0: about that? <laughs> <laughs> no, I. Yeah. I'm still doing Kegels. <laughs> <laughs> Alex is over there, like tighten it up, tighten it up. No, I think that you know, having a podcast like this today, where we're just candid and we're talking about it and talking about things that, you know, maybe societally taboo, or you know, for years, women, it's like we don't talk about periods, we don't talk about, you know, what happens when you have a baby, we don't talk about these things because it almost makes you feel like, ooh, like ooh, no one wants to hear that. It's like no, like that makes us human. It's fine you know, get over it. So I, I'm appreciative of, you know, that's, the more you talk about it, the more it normalizes it. So let's, you know what, guess what? People pee their pants. It's okay. And if it bothers you, there's solutions for it. And if it doesn't bother you, power to you.
1: Power to the pee people. (laughs) Take that out of the, take that out.
0: Power to the pee, nope, that's how we're ending it. Power to the pee. (laughs) Everybody pees. <laughs> oh, oh, my gosh. No, this was great. This um,
3: is so much great information in here, guys.
2: Awesome. Well, thank you guys I so know. much for having me on. And I really hope I get to meet you guys in person in the in the future when all things resume to normal. Absolutely.
3: Yeah. 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 I know. We're like, it's so much more. Well, f- oh, we haven't done it yet in person. But we're like it would be so much more fun to do these in person with everyone and get to spend time with
0: people face to face versus some someday we're going to like rent out a studio spot and we're going to invite people to come in and hang out with us someday when we're not on episode four we so so you guys are our guinea pigs and then once we get better at this we'll bring it back on the show and then we can be like remember when
1: no I'm just I am just. love it that sounds great
0: <laughs> perfect I'm in so- Awesome. Yep. Well, thank you, ladies, so much. Have a beautiful whatever day it is. Thursday is today. It Thursday. Is. Thursday. Thursday. Yeah. yeah.
1: Thank you.
2: Thursday. Thank you. Enjoy Love the you nice weather. Yeah. Love you. Yeah. Bye. 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 Love you all. Love you all. <laughs> Love you all. Thank you. Have a wonderful <laughs> afternoon.
1: Okay. Bye. bye. You slip on. Bye. Bye.
0: bye. <laughs> And that's a wrap. Thanks for listening to our latest episode of Lace Up with Courtney and Alex. If you want more and you don't want to wait for our next episode, you know what to do. Head over to Facebook or Instagram and search Brunch Running and you can't miss us. Also, you can visit us at brunchrunning.com and check out our newly launched training plans and incredible challenges we have coming up right now for the month of May with incredible prizes. We've partnered with Strength in the City and there are some ridiculously amazing prizes right now you guys can win. So all you have to do is just head over to brunchrunning.com right now, get all the juicy details on how you can win. So in the meantime, peace, love, and brunch.